Hi, and welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast, which is dedicated to helping you live your life as fully as possible through lifefulness. Uh, I'm your host, Sanderson Jones, and this is normally when uh, my co-host, James, would say, and I'm your co-host, James Croft, but uh, he's letting me do this on my own. And this uh, podcast is part one of our six-part mini-series on the six pillars of lifefulness. This podcast started when I reached out to James to see if he wanted to write a book about lifefulness with me. Uh, it's something that uh, I'd been working for on for a while. Uh, lifefulness was an approach that was developed at Sunday Assembly, the worldwide network of non-religious congregations, which I co-founded in 2013. Basically, answering this question is, could you do something which is a bit like church, but which everyone could come to? And so at the start of the podcast, I will say, Lifefulness adapts the techniques of spiritual communities and congregations in a way that is secular, inclusive and evidence-based. But what does that actually mean? How can we actually go and bring that to life? You know, what do I do? And so we wanted to do a series of podcasts to talk through the six pillars of Lifefulness. And so that is what this mini-series is. The first one we're going to do is uh, on ultimate meaning, the first pillar of lifefulness. We're going to look at what ultimate meaning is in spiritual traditions. We're going to look at the science behind it, practical implications, and then how you can bring it to life in your life uh, or in your company, nonprofit, or community. Now, meaning can sometimes seem a bit distant. But, you know, I've got so much other stuff going on. Uh, have I done the dishes? Uh, <laughs> make, make it sound like I'm a student there. Got bills to pay, coronavirus, uncertainty everywhere. Uh, meaning? But, like, it's worth thinking about that meaning is literally the most important thing to you in the world. Meaning is is how you define what is important. And so it shouldn't be something you get to, but rather what spiritual traditions do is they really work hard to help you keep your meaning at the center of your life. So I loved doing these podcasts with James. Uh, The great thing about doing an interview is that we speak to inspiring people. Uh, The worst thing about an interview is that I don't get to shoot the shit with James as much as I'd like. So that's what we do here. Why wait? Let's get on with the podcast. Uh, hello and welcome to the Lifefulness podcast mini-series. This is me, Sanson here. And I'm James Croft. Uh, oh, look, you went and gave your surname. Oh, people are going to be so lost. Sanson Jones, FYI. And what we're doing with this mini-series is we're going to go through the six pillars of lifefulness. And it would make sense for us to define at the top what lifefulness is. Lifefulness arose from the work that uh, I did at Sunday Assembly uh, with this whole movement, not just me, loads of people. And what we were doing there was adapting the congregation in a way that everyone could take part. And you might have noticed that lifefulness sounds a little bit like mindfulness, and that's deliberate. Uh, Because in 2015, I realized that what we were doing for congregation, what John Kabat-Zinn, the guy who founded Mindfulness, uh, what he had done for Buddhist meditation. So he had taken Buddhist meditation and he had done it in a way which was secular and inclusive and he created mindfulness. And now loads of people do mindfulness who wouldn't have done Buddhist meditation. And it's also the same thing which happened with yoga. So now there's people all over who do yoga. Sounds like the start of the song. Uh, People all over who do yoga, no other lyrics. And 
But then Hatha yoga, this Hindu practice, was then made secular and inclusive and loads of people can do it. And so that's what the Lifefulness Project is all about, is taking the lessons from the spiritual community, the spiritual life, and showing how they can be really be sort of done by anyone and also everyone together. James, what, uh, are there any things that you feel needed to be added to that? I just think I'd like to say that both of us have been doing this for years. So we know that it works. We know that it makes difference in people's lives. Both of us work with communities of people who are not traditionally religious or don't particularly care about the teachings of traditional religions, but who want that sense of community, that sense of deep meaning and engagement with life and the world that religion provides. And so that's how we know that lifefulness is going to work for you because it works for the members of our communities as well. Yeah, uh, the, basically I've just sort of come along uh, afterwards and gone and put a word on what James was doing for years. Uh, and uh, because James is a, a celebrant at the Ethical Society, which is a humanist congregation. And yeah, so now we're working together on a book and on this podcast to really go and uh, develop lifefulness and to communicate it. And so that is what this uh, part one of this uh, six part mini series is all about. It's about the six core pillars of lifefulness, uh, ultimate meaning, and then celebration, gotta get these right, uh, community <laughs> life, uh, personal growth, serving others and changing the world. And Well uh, done, that's more difficult than people think. I mean, oh, six things to remember. And so this one is about ultimate meaning. And we want to just go and have a conversation to go and help you come up to speed. Maybe you maybe already way past us, maybe just to know what on earth we're talking about. Because at the heart of spiritual communities and congregations, uh, across the world, across time, across the millennia, people are gathering around ultimate meaning, the thing which is most important to them. And James, what would you say that your ultimate meaning is? Personally speaking, I think the thing that drives my life is the desire to fulfill all my potential. Since I was a kid, I've always had this need to continually be learning and growing. And when I feel most dissatisfied with my life, when I'm most sort of out of the boat and drowning in the sea of experience, it's because I don't feel like I'm growing anymore. I'm not expanding into what I know that I could be. And when I feel most in sync with myself and I feel filled up with a sense of the purposefulness of my life, it's because I'm learning something new. I'm expanding my capacities. I'm becoming bigger as a human being. And that's what I think really drives me. I just love asking people that question because so often what happens, you see their bodies getting into it. We're also doing this as a video and James is really moving around and his arms are moving because it really is that sense of ultimate meaning. It comes from deep within. It's actually sort of a physical need, uh, which then goes and gets expressed as this, as a word, but it's ultimately expressing a need within your body. Uh, and for me, my sort of ultimate meaning is, I guess, is sort of celebrating life. I think very similar to yours. And mine comes from sort of the fact that my mum died when I was really young. And so it meant that I had to think about life and death. And, and then under that sort of pressure of this loss and grief and suddenly love disappearing that sort of high intensity I think in some situations some people might have like taken and found a sort of nihilist turn but it turned for me into a sort of really a 
it's almost an evangelical love of life, the fact that we're here and it's so rare and so precious and yeah, just wanting to try to live my life as fully as possible uh, as well. And so that's uh, my ultimate meaning. That's why uh, so this is the Lifefulness Project. Sunday Assembly was a celebration of life. My first stand-up show was another heart, life-affirming, but ultimately heart, no, which way around? Heartbreaking, but ultimately life-affirming show about death. Can't remember numbers, can't remember words. What good am I? And so that's, I suppose, it. Like this is ultimate meaning that we all have. And when you go and look back in time, like what do you see in how sort of people celebrate that ultimate meaning and use the ultimate meaning in their life in other traditions? I guess I would say first that one of the things that's really interesting about interacting with people who seem to be in tune with their own ultimate meaning is that it's very invigorating. These people are mm. magnetic because you feel the energy coming off them. And I think many of the great religious leaders throughout history are people who were really in tune with their ultimate meaning and brought people to them because of that and i suspect that's what made people like the buddha and people like jesus very compelling to the people around them because they really had a strong sense of what their life was about ultimately and dedicated everything they did to that in a way that most of us don't really get the opportunity to do well i think that that i mean like in this course of uh, how lifefulness was created, this six part thing, I mean, ultimately meaning is a translation of sort of this idea of God, the divine. And, and I think that the concept of God is a, from my sort of secular point of view, is a really interesting way to actually help people go and connect to their ultimate meaning. And so all of those different practices you see, that's why so many of them are embodied, they're prayer movement song there's these you know you just go and you you know you're not saying ultimate meaning but you're like going to read a book and you're concentrating on god and you when you speak to people you've got to go and think about your ultimate meaning you've got to you in order to feel it you've got to make it a big part of your life and uh, and the language around it for me there's uh oh gosh always get my tillichs and my uh boobers confused those are two very entry-level theologians uh, and, uh, but the, uh, I think it's Tillich's idea of ultimate concern. It is. Of uh, the, you know, that was his way of expressing what God was in a, in a more inclusive and secular language, which I think a lot of people were able to connect with. And actually, when you go and read that, a lot of that, it's something, when you go and find your ultimate meaning, it's something you're not really willing to sacrifice. You know, you're, you're, you know what it is. Exactly. And I think that many of us, we have a sense of what it might be, and we're connected to our ultimate meaning sometimes. But most of us don't have the chance or the resources to organize our whole lives around it 100% of the time. And I think that many people who are religious, their religious communities operate as a space which is separated out from their normal life where they can give real thought to questions of ultimate meaning a sort of sanctuary for them to connect with what's important about life in their own mind and many people who are not religious 
don't have a space to go for that. There's just nothing in secular society that says this is where you can go to focus on the biggest questions of human existence. And, and I'd say that it's not only a space, but the uh, through trial and error and through evolution, it was like, well, look, if you, it's going to be my impression of the evolution of congregations and religious practices, sort of as told by, by someone having a chat about it, was that if you want to go and stay focused on your ultimate meaning, then you can't, it's not something that you can go and read once and then you've got it. In fact, you've got to go and think about it in the morning. You've got to pray five times a day. And that's like, because, you know, no wonder people are so in touch. Like I, I uh, have never sort of done a contemplative practice five times a day. I'll just pick up calm or headspace and try it, try to do it five days in a row. But yeah, you're going to, Go and really cultivate that sense of connection to it and and so that's this idea of uh ultimate meaning and really once you go and have that like everything else follows from it that's why we start here as the first pillar of lifefulness because the other five pillars are going to be shaped in the way that they are for you because they're supposed to be related to your ultimate meaning, which is a sort of cornerstone of everything else. And so as we go in and look at sort of celebration or, you know, community, like your community is going to go and express, is going to be a reflection of what your ultimate meaning is. Now, you know, that's why lots of people like you go and join a mountaineering community because it goes and reflects these things. You go and whatever it might be, like that, that journey of personal development, that pathway of psychological maturity, that's in reflection of your ultimate meaning. And I think there's a couple of interesting scientific, well, there's a lot of interesting scientific concepts around it, but this idea of embodied cognition, I think is really powerful. There's a certain thought that all of your thinking gets done in your head, that that is, you know, and even those images of that brain, like in the Simpsons of the brain in the jar, like if you were the brain in the jar, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to. Like by the way, if you're listening on audio, I'm sort of doing some weird shoulder shimmy yes, because as the, I go and think about the these Hillary things, Clinton shoulder shimmy. Yeah, as I go and think about these things, my body gets into it, and like if we were disconnected from our hormones, if we're dis disconnected from our heart, the vagus nerve, which is uh, you know has got such a huge impact on our moods, and that what you are so many of these exercises and uh, practices which happen in spiritual communities are about getting in touch with the body and actually about switching off the the parts of our mind which can go and lead to anxiety and doubt and other things like that all right uh this is a <laughs> just gonna do it again leave that in it's only me in the room i'm only saying that to myself and uh, so there is a competition that we are doing for the launch of the lifefulness podcast which is, as you know, all about helping people live life as fully as possible through lifefulness. And even though we are reimagining religious practices, guess what? Spreading the word, still very important. Because this podcast is a big part of the work that we want to do to go and spread this idea. And if you're able to share it, particularly at the start, it's super helpful. So uh, if you go to www.lifefulness.io forward slash podcast, then there's this box you can enter. And for each extra way that you share it, then you get one more entry into the competition. What? You could probably, actually, I don't know how, what's the maximum amount you can get. 
Well, I, yeah, there's this thing you can do where if someone else then enters from your link, you also get an entry, but you're only limited to 10 of those. I don't know. We can figure out the maximum amount of entries later. You're excited to hear about that. I'm excited to hear about that. This is what you really came for. And so look, that is how you enter. And then uh, we've put together some awesome prizes, which uh, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, we know that you will love. Uh, that is one, the first prize, James and I doing a, a personal life transformation workshop uh, with you. Uh, James is a trained minister. I am a coach. We've both dedicated our lives to helping people in personal transformation. So well, look, we think we can do a really good job on that. Then the second prize, you can go and get uh, a lifefulness culture change workshop in your company, your non-profit or community. I have gone and led these with a whole host of different companies, big and small. And well, it's a huge joy for me and uh, people seem to get a lot from it. Uh, and then the last one is there are 10 third prizes and that is a lifefulness talk where I will once again go to the community or the, get it right, company or non-profit and then go and do a talk about lifefulness due to these unprecedented times we're in. This is all going to happen online and the fact that James is in America and I'm over here. So uh, that uh, is those are the prizes, not that is the prizes. Uh, and yeah, we would love you to enter. So please go to www.lifefulness.io forward slash podcast and go and enter. And it really, it really helps us. So thanks so much. Back to the different chitty chatter. Right. I think that's what you were saying earlier about how religious communities provide for religious people, not just spaces set aside to contemplate in a disconnected way what is the meaning of life, but also a whole bunch of rituals and celebrations and practices which help people get into that, kind of feel what it feels like to be connected to a sense of ultimate meaning. And that's not the same for every religious community. You know, not every Christian church is actually teaching the same ultimate meaning. Some are about social activism and some are about service, some are about relationships. So people kind of find the community that they want to find depending on what's most important to them. But again, for people who do not hold the beliefs of any particular faith, there's just nowhere to go for that. And that's really what lifefulness is supposed to solve. And I, I, I saw a really good example of this at, I went and did, uh, it wasn't the Alpha course, but it's something which is very similar to the Alpha course. And if you are listening and don't know what it is, it is uh, Britain's most uh, popular Christian conversion course. And so I missed the weekend when you go and speak in tongues. Uh, annoyingly, I had actually a Sunday assembly, so I couldn't go and do that. I was really wanted to try uh, secular glossolalia, I think yes, is the uh, one the of them. Uh, very rare that you get to use that. And Especially in the UK. I'm surprised anyone does it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it was pretty intense. The guy, I mean, this, uh, the... Uh, the vicar spoke about doing exorcisms, so hey ho. Uh, was that exorcisms or ecstasy? Which was well, that? I, he wasn't the trendy vicar in Sheffield who did the ecstasy. Uh, I just, I imagine that would help with the glossolalia, is the thing. I mean, it helps with a lot. Uh, yeah, and so when he was talking about ultimate meaning, it was really interesting that he. So you're going to go and you're going to go and meet Jesus, and he was. And by the way, if this is what you believe, totally great. My interpretation of it. Uh, 
what he said is like when you go and we've they spoke about how you've got to have a personal relationship with this sense of ultimate meaning and it and he was like going, so what should that relationship be like? And he said, well, some people think of it as like a relationship with the father, uh, you know, God the father. Some people relationship uh, with the mother, the mother church. Sometimes you think of actually also, almost as a romantic relationship. You're uh, marrying Jesus. And I was just like, that's amazing. He basically said, like, do you need a father, a mother, or a romantic relationship? But whatever you need most, that's the way to go and connect to this. And I was like, what like amazing way of putting it. And but I think what that also shows is that in any, so there's going to be some people who you might have a Sunday assembly or a sort of community that you can join where this will be a bit more explicitly mentioned, or you even might be in a company which has got a certain value. But what is really uh, important when you sort of gather around these values is that each person finds their own way to connect to it. You can't go somewhere and everyone says, oh, we're all about excitement. And if you're about, I don't know, taking your time, whatever it might be, you're not going to be able to change it. But if you then go, well, what's exciting to me is taking my time, then you've got that way to connect to it. Uh, so this is this is really the foundational thing is finding your ultimate meaning are there any exercises James that you've seen or things that people can do which uh, help them go and explore these ideas one of the things that I do with some of the members of the ethical society of st. Louis when we're talking about what makes life meaningful to them is to think instead of the process of finding meaning in one's own life as a, um, a sort of archaeological process of discovery where it's kind of buried out there in the world and you have to uncover it by kind of digging lots of holes and then suddenly you find it and it was put there for you before you came on this earth and you just discover what it is and then it's yours thinking of meaningfulness more of a description of how you feel when you're engaged in different activities so what i ask my members to do is keep a journal for a couple of weeks and note mm. down when they feel that something they're doing is particularly meaningful to them. What were they doing? How did it feel to do it? And why do they think that thing was particularly meaningful? And then we come back and we discuss that after a period of time. And often people are better able to articulate what is meaningful to them in their lives and what the common thread is, which connects those different mm. behaviors. And often that's the ultimate meaning. Yeah, I, it's quite funny when you said the archaeology, I initially reacted against it because I think that, well, maybe it's instead of having an archaeology which is external, hunting in all these places, it is actually finding these things to go and look inside. And it's also, you're trying to get past all of these different layers which have been put on you, the sort of meaning that your parents want you to have your school your society the yakuza gang you joined uh, i'm i'm watching a program about the yakuza uh and and then it is actually more this thing of going internally to try to find it and i find that uh, similar to what you did is uh, i find a question of when was the last or when was a time that you felt truly alive and I think that is a really to go and think back to that moment. Like, what were you feeling? Where were you? Like, what were the values associated with it? And by going and finding those things, then you can go and get a firm sense of what is 
not the meaning of life, but the meaning in your life. And that, I think, is the key distinction between lifefulness's approach to ultimate meaning and some more traditionally religious approaches. Because many traditionally religious approaches say, your, the meaning of your life is set before you got on this earth. You know, it's to worship God mm. or it's to be in relationship with Jesus. And you don't get a choice in what it is. You just have to find how to do it. And I think that there's something liberating and more individual about the idea that actually we discover what is meaningful for us and what becomes meaningful for us may depend on many factors in our lives like our childhood experiences like Sanderson was talking about or the relationships we've had the things we've learned could even change across the course of our mm -hmm. lives there's no reason it has to be set and so that flexibility and individual of the opportunity for the individual to decide I think makes it a, a more complex idea of ultimate meaning but also one that's more true to most people's experiences and uh, what makes it even more complex is if you happen to be someone who does feel that your ultimate meaning was set at birth and that it is jesus a great thing about lifefulness is that we're hopefully going to be talking about all of this in a way that everyone can stay in the room at the same time uh, and uh, because that's another goal for this is to find a way that to know that different people are gonna have their different ultimate meanings. But if we can all find that way of connecting to it, then that's the really uh, important thing. And I say that not to correct you, James, but just no, to go and uh, explain the situation. So do you think we've done ultimate meaning? I think we've solved the question, what is the ultimate meaning of life for everybody in 20 minutes and 45 seconds? Yeah, so that is part one of this mini-series exploring this idea of ultimate meaning. We would love you to go and just make sure that you have smashed that subscribe button. And uh, if you're hearing this first one, we've just started this. So don't just download this episode. Go and download them all. Rate, review, share, do all of those things. Uh, we would love that to happen so that we can go and uh, help more people go and connect to their meaning so uh, that's it goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me james thanks so much for listening to that i really hope you liked it as much as i did uh, that is that's obviously the purpose of this i mean i'd like you to enjoy it uh, i suppose i mean you don't necessarily have to enjoy it as much as i did you could just annoy in, annoy enjoy it enough to that it was useful that you want to go and listen again uh, but i certainly had a blast uh, and like i said ultimate meaning is at the heart of congregations and spiritual communities it can have different names Allah God that's just gone stopped at Yahweh just stopped at three there and yeah so as we go through the other five those will be about the activities you do to go and keep that uh, alive uh, and so yeah, there we go. And so at the end of these uh, podcasts, what I've been doing is sort of one thing to talk about how we hope people can go from listening to this podcast, you know, which is great. We hope it helps you in your life, but we want to also go deeper. And so there is a lifefulness community and these small groups, they are going to meet online to begin with. But what we hope to do is as we go and get critical mass is to start to have people meeting up in person and also when it's safe that's being a really important one and so uh, that if you go to lifefulness.io 
forward slash membership. You will go and be able to find out more there. We're starting off small. So there is an application form. Then if you go and check it out, you will go and see that uh, it meets twice a week uh, in a small group that's going to be online. Uh, It is going to be a paying community because that's really important. That's one of the reasons why communities thrive. They're not just things which happen by accident. So yeah, please do go and check that out because obviously it's going to be, you've gone and heard the importance of meaning. The other thing which I'm doing with these outros is also uh, reflecting on the journey leading up to the launch of the podcast. And so now this, what we're doing is sort of working backwards from the start. So it launched at the start of September and we are now about uh, six weeks away from launch. And this is sort of talk, where where was the company? Where was this project? Where's the life of this project? On the 27th of uh, July, week commencing this 27th of July, there had, so two... Uh, members of the lifefulness community had started supporting with the podcast and that was really uh, exciting Uh, they wanted to help get it out there working in the background had been this lifefulness at work group which had sort of grown up organically and there was lots of excitement there one of the things I'd started to slightly notice at the back of my mind was as the podcast started to get more real I wasn't able to go and spend as much time with them but Uh, There was still so many exciting things going on. As I said, we'd been selected for this community accelerator by Facebook and I'd started organizing these brown bag lunches for the community, uh, different community leaders. And we were having uh, a great discussion every single week. And so this is, but then one thing happened. I ended up going on a night out uh, before my uh, friends, socially distant uh, night out before a friend's uh, wedding, socially distant again. And it was quite weird. Late at night, one of a mate of mine, I think he was sort of trying to give a sort of uh, encouraging talk, but it was, you know, and it started off very nice uh, about how, uh, you know, talented he thought I was. Thanks, mate. Uh, But it was quite weird because like there was this undertone of like, so like, you know, what exactly, if you know, you can do even, I think it was like, you can do even better. But as I've mentioned before, I've got ADHD. And so there's this weird connection to this where, where when you go and look back on your life and you think certain aspects of ADHD have helped, but others have really sort of got in the way and really been sort of hard to figure out. Yeah, it was just quite an odd sort of encouragement, which sort of left me, uh, you know, a little bit, knocked sideways which is quite odd so anywho that's where we were things things going well though maybe they're starting to be the better things go the more things that sort of start to be added to the mix and I was starting to feel that then on the 27th of July so yeah that's the little company update of where the life on this project was and so uh, yeah then if you really like this and you want to stay in touch with us it really helps us if you subscribe wherever you're listening to download share it all of those things we are at the life on this project on facebook and instagram life on this project on twitter that's lifefulness and then prjt on twitter uh i'm at sanderson jones and james croft is at croft speaks on twitter I want to say thanks, and we want to thank James Croft, you fantastic co-host, fantastic collaborator. 
then our producer, Mavs Shetty, you're doing great work. There is William Andrews, who created the artwork, and this music underneath this, I imagine, is from Roman Rapak and Miro Shot. Thanks so much for listening, and can't wait for you to listen to miniseries number two.